Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society is on Patreon? Patreon allows you to support our work by becoming dues-paying members of our society. We are an independent, women-run endeavor with a commitment to delivering the highest quality listening experience to our community. And so we've taught ourselves how to record, edit, and produce a podcast in midlife, a time when most of us are asking our kids how to regram a TikTok so that we can deliver episodes that truly speak to you. Support from PCPS patrons means that we can devote more of our time and resources to the content, sources, equipment, software, hosting, and research that you've come to depend on without worrying about how to pay the bills. So thank you. We appreciate you from the bottom of our bell-bottomed hearts. I was very uncomfortable when I was a kid seeing Carol in a swimsuit. It was <laughs> that like, was I, And then she runs in her swimsuit, yes. and I felt like I should not be watching this. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who first heard the word architect on the Brady Bunch. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving the sound that became an icon and the episode it came from, Season 4, Episodes 1, 2, and 3 of The Brady Bunch, also known as Hawaii Bound. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Of all the 117 Brady Bunch episodes that I know the three of us, and I know probably most of you listening, have seen 25 times, so 25 times 117. Kristen, can you do that for me quickly? 412. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That all of you have seen 412 times, I would argue that the three most memorable are the ones where the Bradys get on that United Airlines flight and they go to Hawaii. (laughs) One hundred percent, one hundred and fifty percent. I mean, two hundred percent. That people always well, and it's also that that's a three part episode, and the Grand Canyon is a three part episode. Mm-hmm. So those two stick with you, right? The Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. Bobby, Cindy, Bobby. <laughs> but the Hawaii episodes, people love. You You will never forget the tiki. You'll never forget the tarantula, mm-hmm. the surfing. Yeah, um, Greg almost, who knows, dying or whatever. <laughs> that was scary. You so guys, Greg should have come out of the ocean going, oh, my nose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's hard to say. We all have favorites. I don't, I will actually say, you guys, the Hawaii episodes have never been my favorite, but they're very memorable. Yeah, it doesn't, like, favorite doesn't even really apply. It's just the ones that stand out the most. I remember my my roommate Martha was like, oh, God, too scary. Can't watch. (laughs) The the Hawaii ones? Oh, yes. Terrifying. I want to talk about that. Well, I want to talk about that when we get to the end part, the, which is actually everything that takes place in episode three. I don't disagree with Martha if yeah. I was, yeah. you know, a six-year-old child watching it. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you guys, before we all also 
disembark that airline um, on Oahu. I want to share with you, and I know I think I have before, but a podcast I really enjoy is called The Real Brady Bros. And um, it's hosted by Barry Williams, who played Greg, and Christopher Knight, who played Peter. And I think they've done two over maybe 100 episodes so far. Mm-hmm. They're I don't know. Gosh, how old are they now? Probably 60 in the 60s, early yeah, 60s. Yeah, I think oh, because he keeps saying he was 18 when this when this debuted mm-hmm. and it was 51 mm-hmm. years ago, so he's 69. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um and and Christopher Knight's like 4 years younger than him. What they are doing is they go back and they watch every episode like you know, the day before they they record their podcast. And not only do they break it down and take you through it scene by scene basically, but they do exactly what we do as adults. They watch it through their adult filters and they comment over the most ridiculous things that <laughs> that took Which place. Which we all thought. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. They're well, thinking we the same think things at the we're time. thinking. Oh, I did. We, I didn't <laughs> think when I, I – oh, when I was seven or eight years old, I wasn't thinking these things were ridiculous. And they weren't either. But like, now hmm. watching them through their adult lens, they're like, what the heck? Like, why, why were yes. we doing that or whatever? But not only do they do that. The reason I love this podcast is because they also share behind the scenes things that they remember happening when they were filming mm-hmm. that episode. And you guys, I get so into that. I love it. <laughs> so they have um, podcast episodes on these three Hawaii episodes. And I recently re-listened to them. So some of the kind of behind the scenes tidbits, did you guys know that the opening scene was actually shot after they went to Hawaii. So they had gone to Hawaii during their summer vacation. And then when they came back, they did all the interior. They were actually only filming in Hawaii for like four days, maybe Mm -hmm. five days, they said. It was all just the obvious Hawaii shots, but everything that took place inside, even the final luau was shot on a soundstage. And also all the- the luau was too? The luau Mm -hmm. was too. That was not in Hawaii? Nope. The final luau was not. It was on a soundstage. Oh, I feel cheated. In a nutshell- what we know now as adults is that this three-part episode was really a travelogue. It was an advertisement for Hawaii because what was happening in the early 70s is suddenly we had 747s that could get to Hawaii in a matter of hours instead of days like going on a boat. So there was this boom in travel to Hawaii in the early 70s, and they needed somebody to make sure that all the middle-class people in America knew about that. So they were going to take a 747 to Hawaii, which at the time would have cost about $100 per person. Oh, my gosh. To get to Hawaii. For Okay, so but still, for nine people, if you did that in today's dollars, it would be about $5,000 to get to Hawaii. But that's okay, because just like the amusement park in Cincinnati— Mike's boss, Mr. Phillips, is going to pay. Yeah. God love Mr. Phillips. That's right. I tell you. Hmm. Yeah. And so what they really did was they set up this episode not just with a story and a storyline, but they incorporated sightseeing into mm-hmm. the episode, which, let's be honest, that was kind of the boring part, right? Like, there, <laughs> yeah. it, it got a little bit weird when suddenly the pace would just, like, drop because they were going to go see the Iolani Palace. And then somebody would be like... History, history, blah, blah, blah. History, history, blah, blah, blah. While the Brady kids would like nod their heads and stuff like that. Um, and it would it was just a stark contrast to sort of the antics of the Brady Bunch. This is the travelogue portion of the show. The other thing that I want to just mention quickly because it made such an impact on me and I didn't notice when I was a kid is Carol's wardrobe in this episode. Oh, oh fab- everyone's fabulous. wardrobe, but Carol's, yes. Fabulous. 
so much better than what she wore on mm-hmm. um, Sierra Drive or do, what is what street do they live on? I don't Dilling know. Dilling Street. So, <laughs> Dilling Street. Thank you. It was just so much better. She at one point she's wearing this green polyester pantsuit with bell bottoms, except the shirt is tied under her bust. Like Can you believe it? Half, yes, like her whole midriff is showing. It's so my sexy. Question, I mean, my question is how they fit all their clothes yes. in their little tiny hard suitcases. <laughs> I because have no idea. When they when they deplane, they're in suits and ties. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. And, and yes. where do those mm-hmm. go? And then they have different suits on that they leave in. And then they have yes. these little suitcases. They even have their quilted bathrobes. Oh, I, oh, I have that written down. Yes. How do they fit the quilted bathrobes <laughs> yes, the and the suits yes. Yes. in their little yes. hard suitcases? They brought totally. all the girls okay. are in their robes. Of course they are. Yeah. Um, so when Mr. Phillips, when Mike comes in and he has the box at the beginning, at the open of mm-hmm. the episode one, um, Barry Williams and Christopher Knight said, we were shocked watching this back at how much genuine upbeat energy Robert Reed was giving to Mike in that first scene, which I think tells us all we need to know about how he typically acted and how what they really yes. always <laughs> saw. Um, yeah. Listeners, go back and listen to our two-part Brady Bunch episode from, I don't know, a year, a year and a half ago. Um, and we learned a lot about how Robert Reed really felt about playing Mike Brady and how he was often very angry and a um, in, dour. A, in a little yeah. bad bad mood and argued yeah. with everybody about the lines he had to say and that things weren't accurate. And we had read and we kind of hoped that the kids didn't really see that. But because they were like, did you notice how much upbeat, genuine energy Bob was bringing to the scene? And they were like, I know. It's like like he enjoyed being there basically is what they're and saying. And don't you wonder why? That was telling. It's, so this is the first scene of the episode. Mike comes what? home with a small wrapped package. like It looks like a box of candy. And inside the package are tickets to Hawaii. And so why was it that that Robert Reed would bring such energy to – like, is he excited to go to Hawaii for real? Is that what it is? Well, my guess is this, because at, in rewatching the episodes um, this past week, Mike – well, let's say Robert Reed – Really, I don't know if he thinks he's going to be able to submit these these episodes for an Emmy reel or if he's really feeling like they wrote some great lines for him. He is acting like he is, yeah, like he's up for every award there ever was. Like, I, I don't know if maybe he had already read the scripts and he's like, wow, I'm about to get some really really quality airtime coming up and really be Hawaii able to show everybody my acting chops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, finally. So I have no idea. I guess one of the things now watching it especially is to think what company would actually pay for an entire yes. family plus their housekeeper? Nine none, people. None. To go. And the I, housekeeper. Then I thought, yeah, like what did my dad's company do? And all I could think of was we would have a company picnic like right. once a year every summer where, you know, all the families would go and there'd be a jumpy, you know, a jumpy, whatever <laughs> a we call walk. those things. Jumping house. Walk. Yes. A yeah. moonwalk. And that was about it. And I always pictured, I always pictured Mr. Phillips going, hey, Mike, like, and we'd love to invite your family to go with us. And I pictured the, like, Mike Brady going, do you know I have, like, six children? Do you know that part? Do you think that I just have two? Because that's not the case. And, well, and Mr. Phillips has been at their house before. Yeah. He knows. Oh, that's but, true. He's come but over. But I could also right. see okay. Mike going... <laughs> All right, Mr. Phillips, but honestly, it's only going to work if, if, if Alice can go too. Like, I know. deal breaker without <laughs> Carol Alice. Carol and I can't do it. We can't do it. Okay, we can't and possibly the other thing wrangle they, all, all these children. 
The other thing that I that I have always wondered about my whole Brady life is the transition from Mike Brady's straight hair to his curly hair. And I, I was wondering if he had a perm. And so they point out that in the first scene, when he comes in with the tickets, he has nice straight hair. Mm-hmm. By the time they get to Hawaii, the nice straight hair has frizzed up into a tennis ball. Well, That's when he gets off the plane, hair. it's just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They say, Barry and Chris say, yeah, you see him get off the plane and you're like, mm, it looks a little different. And they say, I love this, the way they describe it in their podcast. They say, by the time we're at the hotel, it's in full bloom. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and I know. The Hawaii I humidity always... couldn't keep it straight. So he yeah. had been blowing it they out gave up. before that. Yeah. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a- amazing to think that he'd been blowing that out. Yes. Oh. Yes, All tells us a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, do you are you saying that those the future seasons where he does have really curly hair, you know, like toward the end of the mm-hmm. run of the Brady Bunch, mm-hmm. was that just letting his hair go natural? Yep. I guess. Yep. So, yep. starting with wow. the Hawaii episodes, his hair turns curly because they couldn't keep it straight. In the humidity. So from then on, so from season four, well, we only remember the Brady Bunch ended at the end of season five, but Mm -hmm. they, but it's curly from then on. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they land in Honolulu in their suits, like Michelle said, everybody's dressed to the nines, including Alice. Alice gets to get out of her uniform. Yes. And Alice brought some pretty nice clothes too. Lovely. I gotta say, mm-hmm. like a moomoo. Yes, and colorful. So I mean, we've colorful. seen her in blue, that blue drab or whatever. Yes, that was what, probably my favorite part as a kid was seeing Alice out of her element in regular yeah. clothes, like seeing your teacher yes. in the grocery store. Weren't you happy for her? Oh, yeah. I was thrilled for her. <laughs> mm-hmm. She got to do some fun things until, but we'll get to that. But yeah. And they give some great dish about the people getting off the plane with them were Sherwood Schwartz's wife and his two children. And there was mm-hmm. one other person. Who was it? Um, it was, I think it was Florence Henderson's um, Yes. Her two children. Two of her children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Flo's two children and Sherwood Schwartz's <laughs> two children. And, you know, um, Greg actually flew in a week early with his brothers because he convinced them that because there was surfing in it, he was really excited to see that. He was a surfer. He loved to surf. He got out of school earlier than the rest of the kids did because I think he had graduated high school. And um, they said, no, 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 uh, Barry, you're not going to do your own surfing. It's way too dangerous. We, we have stunt people. And he argued that he was a really great surfer. Barry Williams says he exaggerated <laughs> so much, he told them he'd won contests and he could show them trophies, to which Christopher Liar. Knight says, what would you have done if they said, all right, bring the trophies in? Barry Williams says, I would have gone to a trophy shop and had some trophies made <laughs> and brought them in. He wanted to surf so badly. Mm-hmm. So finally they were like, fine. But here's the thing. They said, in the interest of the time and budget, or this is Barry saying it, he said, in the interest of our time, our budget... Those waves in Hawaii are real different than these California waves. So you need to send me a week early so I can practice on these very different Hawaii-sized waves. So they did. They sent Barry Williams and his brothers an entire week early on their dime. So he got to be there without a chaperone, just his brothers, you know. Little vacation the, for having, Greg Brady. Having a life. Yeah. yeah. Christopher Knight's like yeah. super bitter about that. He's like, I had to have my mom <laughs> go with me. You had no curfew. He's like, yeah, they had a good time. Okay, so when they land and they get off the plane, they they get the traditional Hawaiian welcome um, where they get kisses, actual kisses from hula girls, and they get they get lays put around their necks, which 
I don't. How long ago did that end? They don't do that anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Especially they with have the ladies for... that don't have any clothes on and stuff like that. Doesn't seem super appropriate. So when Greg gets off the plane, we'll be introduced to an ongoing theme. Like his primary role in this episode, besides the surfing accident, of course, is Greg's. Um, he gets a little overly aroused by the scantily clad women. This will be his comic relief in the show, and it's not that funny. Actually, it's super uncomfortable. <laughs> and I read an episode. Um, an essay that is devoted completely and utterly to this one episode of the Brady Bunch in a book called Volcanoes, Palm Trees, and Privilege by Liz Prado. And she says at one point, he Greg even tries to pull the leg reader in for a makeout session, but Mike yanks him back, saving the woman from what we would now call sexual harassment. <laughs> Oh, my God. And you know what? That cringiness is going to come up again in a beach scene. And thankfully, you guys, today, Barry Williams agrees with us. He does. He can barely watch it. He says it's so inappropriate and so Mm -hmm. awful. Also, the fact that Mike kind of goes along with it. Mike's like, my boy, you know. (laughs) And and so thankfully, both both Barry and Christopher um, think it's just as cringy as we do. Remember um, Bobby's response, though, to the kiss? So no, he got the he kiss. Did. Oh, and he was like, <laughs> he wiped it off yeah. and he makes that yucky face. So it was like the total opposite of his eldest brother. And Alice um, keeps getting laid. She gets laid yes. and laid yes. and laid. What <laughs> about? So our very first plot point after we go on the boring travelogue, um, where we go see the yes. palace and we see Pearl Harbor and a bunch <sighs> of boring things. Um, oh, and might I point out, too, when they go to visit Pearl Harbor, harbor um this becomes a very serious part of the show it and does. they and they talk about the war heroes and they read the plaque and liz prado in this essay about brady bunch points out how difficult it would have been to do that scene at that moment in time because we were ensconced in vietnam and nobody really wanted to talk about war heroes oh, that's or a good war point. or people going to war or soldiers so it was sort of like a patriotic message, but it would have been a little unrealistic too, because if you think about Greg Brady just turning 18, he and his friends would have been getting that card in the mail saying you need to come in for your physical. But Mm -hmm. you know, the Brady Brunch was about a soft place to land. And, you know, uh, right, absolutely. So, yeah. so yeah, they as a dis- supposed to be like a distraction from the things that are happening in the world. They were, and they did that by ignoring reality. So even now, those Pearl Harbor scenes would feel a little bit awkward, maybe. Um, well, and don't you think that maybe the um, the Hawaiian Tourism Board or whatever? Uh, I, I'm guessing this was in conjunction with with absolutely. them, maybe. I to, assume. You know, I assume. Yeah. Promote. Um, Mm-hmm. travel over there. So I'm seeing that that whole first episode was kind of like they had a lot of say in where you were going to go, where the Bradys mm-hmm. were going to go, yep. what they were going to say yep. everywhere. Um so that's how I kind of think some of those things got into the mm-hmm. they weren't really at all part of the plot. It's, yeah and that and it felt like that too. It felt like oh, you were totally. getting pulled out of the plot. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Our first plot of the episode comes when they're going to get a tour of the construction site that Mike is there to visit. And Bobby finds a quote unquote good luck charm. It's a tiki. Yep. It's a good luck. It's a tiki god. And it's um, like ancient Hawaiian lore. Um, before he finds it, you see some construction workers and they unearth it and discover it. And so they have a little bit of a conversation about, oh, no, we don't touch that. That's bad luck. That brings bad luck to mm-hmm. whoever touches it. So it's set up that we kind of have the inside you know, scoop. We know this tiki god is, according to ancient 
Hawaiian lore, I guess I would say superstition, but they, they believe it to be true that, um, Anyone who touches it will have bad luck. Well, there comes Bobby, and he's like, cool. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm going to wear it around my neck. Yeah. And let's also he, – he's running around there with no hard hat <laughs> on or anything. Yes. It's like, what is I – I don't know if I was at this time thinking in disbelief, but I don't even see any adults around in that scene. You know, they're just hopping over pieces of metal, and yeah, it just was – yeah, mm-hmm. it little yeah. makes you think. And um, here's something that I never did think of, but when Liz Pareto said in this essay, I was like, hey, yeah. She says, this ancient Hawaiian artifact conveniently has a hole drilled in the top. Yeah, right. So Bobby can just <laughs> put it on a string. <laughs> That's so nice. Oh, so funny. You guys know that um, Barry Williams has um, an eBay shop called Barry Williams Official, and he sells those. And he, it's so funny. In all of these podcast episodes, he pitches it the whole time. I thought he was time. joking. He signs it. He's like, you could hang it on your Christmas tree. You could wear it. Finally, I was like, I'm going to look this up. He actually does. He sells a lot of signed merchandise on his eBay store. Mm-hmm. He sells these freaking tiki's that show people, you know, you can wear them around your neck for like $65. $65. But I guess if you were a true Brady Bunch fan, but it's not the real one. No, but it's still, I'm right. still not buying one. It's bad yeah. luck. Oh, I'm not buying one. Yeah, but I just thought it was funny <laughs> that he kept mentioning it. And I was like, oh, yeah. you actually can. Okay, so when, when Bobby brings his good luck charm back to the hotel, that is when... The bad luck begins. All hell breaks loose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think, I believe the first thing that happens is the boys are, you know, just trying to go to sleep. And of course, they're in a hotel. And uh, Peter, I believe, is a Peter that throws the pillow. And it hits, one of them throws the pillow at Mm -hmm. Bobby to like tell him to shut up or something. And it hits this giant wall hanging that's hanging over the bed and it falls, but Bobby sits dun, up. Dun, and dun. so, and, and we're, yeah, it's supposed to be maybe this giant iron decorative thing. And they're like, oh, and then they all get very, very serious. And they're like, oh my God, Bobby, that almost hit you on the head. Like, oh my God, that's terrible. Fun story. Um, when my older daughter was two, we had this big wooden, this really cool antique angel thing that was over our bed. And uh, much like Brady Bunch, she had the flu. I had the flu. She hadn't slept in like three nights. So I hadn't slept in like three nights. And we finally just brought her and she was in between us in bed. And she was complaining about her pillow. My pillows, it's not the right thing. And as um, I was frustrated, right? And I took her pillow and I was like, fine. And I yanked it out from under her head. And when I yanked it, it flew up and it hit the giant wooden angel off the wall. It fell straight down, just like Bobby Brady's does. But unlike... What happened with Bobby Brady? Our giant wooden angel hit my daughter square on the head. <gasps> oh my god! We had to go to the emergency room. Oh, no, it was, yes. Oh my god! And by the time we got to the emergency room, it was this giant egg on her head that was already black and blue, and it was like right here next to her eye, like right oh to the side god. of her eye. And all my husband and I are thinking is, is oh my God, we're going to get arrested. They're going to take her away. Yeah, like, CPS this is, is such an unlikely mm-hmm. story. So you guys, I brought the giant wooden angel with me. <laughs> so no, we're for proof. I to totally the emergency did. room? I brought it into the emergency oh room God. so I could be like, this is proof. This is like, like put it on her head and you'll see. Right. The doctor was just laughing because like we, you know, we were like, we honestly, honestly, I, I ripped the pillow out. It hit the thing. It fell on her head because we were thought they would go likely story. Yeah. Okay. So the bad luck begins. So let's move on. The bad luck begins. The wall art almost hits Bobby. Alice Mm -hmm. is trying to learn to hula. 
<laughs> and she gets stuck, pulls her back. You know, of course, we have to have a, a comedic Alice moment, right? Of course. Yes. Yeah. I remember thinking that could really happen. Like, does that really happen? Like, you know, people say, I throw my back out. But being young and thinking like, oh, is that what that means? And then you can't straighten and you have to walk the rest of I thought she was frozen. I thought that's what it meant when she was, when your back is thrown. I was like, oh, no, she froze. Yeah, right. And when we're young, we don't, that's that's just sort of an overused gag, right? The older people throw their back out. You guys, Mm -hmm. I literally stretched about two years ago. I stretched in bed in the morning. Like, you know, you wake up and you kind of go, ah, I couldn't walk for like three days because like I felt something go pop. Beware of the stretch. And I was like, wait, what? What? Um, It can happen. So yes, it can happen. (laughs) There's a Dick Van Dyke episode too where he throws his back out. So here's a fun fact. The hula teacher is played by a former Miss Kawaii. Carolyn's nodding her head like she's like, I know, I know. She And her name is Aletha Aguiar. And she was also the woman who went running down the beach in the opening of Hawaii Five-0. And Liz Prado points out, and this is just so comic now. So when Alice throws her back out, Miss Kawaii just continues to hula. Like she doesn't stop and help Alice. Everyone's like, oh, no, no, no. No, Miss Kawhi is just pretending like it's not happening. Like you, she's not offering to. I don't know. It's just weird. It's weird. But the way that episode one ends is the the piece de resistance of bad luck, mm-hmm. and this is what we want to focus on for just a moment. So Greg's going to be in a surfing competition, which you know, as I just said, he went there a whole week early so he could practice. He was really proud too of his like surfing <laughs> skills and his form. And my favorite parts of this whole scene are not Greg surfing, but it is the shots of everybody on the beach watching. And please, everybody, you can see episodes two and three are streaming on Paramount Plus. And I believe, is it Amazon? Maybe Amazon Prime. Go. Uh, it's, it's really hard to find episode one. And I'm wondering if it's because Don Ho is in that episode or if it's the Pearl oh, Harbor. Yeah. Or, there's got to be mm-hmm. some reason that episode one is Don not Ho. available. And it has to be some sort of restriction with something they showed in there. I'm there's assuming. a licensing issue. Yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, go back and watch, not the Greg surfing, but the shots of them all watching. Because you know they, they there was just a camera in front of them. And it's like, now pretend Greg is out there. And in some of them, some of the kids are looking one direction, kind of like, oh, yeah. And they're pointing. But maybe one of them, their eyes are just enough off that you can tell. And I also love those, uh, those um, shots because I loved to just pause and examine their bathing suits. Their bathing suits were oh, so God, 1972. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even funny. I loved them. Except Carol's, I got to say, I I was very uncomfortable when I was a kid seeing Carol in a swimsuit. It was (laughs) like, and then she runs in her swimsuit and I felt like I should not be watching this. No, but my other favorite part of Carol, really quick. Okay, so this is season four is the just pinnacle of Carol's, the hairdo where it's all short and then the ski jump comes out from almost underneath the layered do. You guys in the beach scene. She looks like she just has the short layered hair because that entire little ski jump is pinned up with a little pin. The, the top of the hair is done. That's done. And yes. she just looks ski cute jump. with that little yeah, part just yes. up. I thought just she had to keep that scissors. out of the water. Didn't want to yeah. get that wet. <laughs> I, get I wish she would have put it in a tiny pony. A little <laughs> tiny pony. Two tiny tail. ponies. Oh, oh my that god, would have been cute. It would be so oh, cute. cute. Well, a couple things from that um, from that scene. One, uh, regarding looking at everyone in their bathing suits, if you'll notice, um, Marsha 
is anytime she's in a bathing suit, in this scene, she's holding a towel in front of her. I and did then there's that. another scene later that where she's holding a volleyball in front of her oh um, stomach. Maureen McCormick has been <laughs> very just, open about her. Her, her, she had some oh, body image issues and oh, she had sad. eating disorder. And so you, when you know that and you watch it, you feel kind of bad. Oh, and that God. scene where they're running into the water, mm-hmm. you know, because Greg has fallen. She's carrying that towel, towel all the way she till she's it. like up she to throws her knees it. and then she tosses it. Carolyn, wow. that's so sad. makes me so sad. And it's so clear. Like once you know yes. that, it's once so you know clear. It. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's super obvious. So Greg is out, he's surfing, and he's showing off his moves. And then, oh no, big wipeout. And I mean, right on a rock. Like, like there is this big piece of coral that I thought they had to have planted that there. Barry Williams is like, no, that really hurt. Like, he had to, mm-hmm. like, wipe out. Um, Mike, of course, goes swimming. This is one of Robert Reed's big moments. Big moments. Swimming, swimming. Greg. And I just, yeah, Greg, Greg. And then... Greg, Barry Williams in his memory is that he was just like having to hold his breath and float. But in, if you watch the episode, he's swimming very slowly toward Mike. So now we get, you guys, Carol actually runs into the water. She, she runs got that little one ba- piece She got that little flip wet. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do, the way people run into, into water, <laughs> things are is so funny. You're kind of like not yeah. quite running normal. Like penguins kind of. Yes. And yeah. notice that she um, she's holding Cindy's hand. And yeah. I read an, an interview with Florence Henderson. that, And she said that in that scene and in the outrigger scene when they're in the boat, she is holding on to Susan Olsen because Susan couldn't swim oh, very God. well. And, oh, no. and they said um, that the... Powers that be never asked the cast how comfortable they were in water. You know, that's immediately what's going through Carol's mind. So I'm assuming when she's like holding Cindy's hand as they're, whatever you call that, galloping into the water. Yeah. Barry Williams remembers that is actually hurting, like hurting as he wiped out, but he didn't have like any type of scratch on him because Carol and Mike, they haul him out, right? Haul him out. And this is right. Yeah, like the dead man's float or whatever. They're like, yeah. Yes. And this is. Robert Reed's big moment. He's like yes. leaning down and they've got the camera down almost like on the sand looking up at him and he's like dripping water from his like poodle hair now. And he's leaning forward and he's going, Greg, are you okay? So Greg's going, no, like I hurt, whatever. The camera goes to like two other people. And when it goes back to Mike, he's still doing it. Whatever Mike's next line is to deliver, which is like 45 seconds later, he's still, and it's almost like he said, spray me with more water so I can still be dripping. And he's doing it. And he's like, well, I don't know. I think to be on the safe side. We better have the hotel doctor take a look at him. Greg, can he get up? Yeah, Dad, I can. I can make back to the car. Yeah, you not know, go to still- the hospital. Not go to the. Yeah, we're gonna get the hotel doctor. Yeah, he's still though, like delivering like a Laurence Olivier performance yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious, and all the other ones are just going, "Oh, oh, like Greg's okay. Oh, oh, he's got a scratch on the back of his neck." And and according to Mike, it's it's the most serious thing. Um, but what happens, you guys? Greg realizes, "Oh no, Bobby, I'm so sorry." I lost your little tiki guy, he says. And Bobby goes, oh, that's okay. He says, good thing you had him on because Mm -hmm. like you would have died basically. Okay, so they end the episode when Greg wipes out. It's this whole thing that we've described about the rescue and everything, that comes in the the beginning of the second episode. But 
it's very important to point out that they don't end the episode with Greg underwater. They allow us to see that Greg has surfaced. So we know he's alive when he ends the episode. Otherwise, we'd have to wait a week to find out if Greg Brady is dead. That would have been torturous. Yeah. And when we do start episode two, we get that classic 70s recap with the voiceover of um, everything that happened in the um, week before. I love that. I I love someone to actually tell me what happened, not just kind of show me snippets of scenes, like sometimes you'll get now, like last time on whatever. Mm -hmm. But I liked the actual talking me through it. like The voiceover. Yeah, Mike mm-hmm. got tickets to go to, you know, Hawaii yes. from his boss, and they got on an airplane. And they, they spoon feed it. it to us, right? Yes. Yeah. I love it. I, I wish they that. would do that on Succession because yes. I started no like kidding. that and I was like, what the hell just happened last episode? I don't even know. It's time to go. We're going to get Greg to the hotel doctor. I love yeah, how hotel doctor. Like, girls, girls, let's let's get everything. And they've got those very 1970s, almost like rolled up bamboo mats. We had those yes. too. Yes. And they're shaking them off. I love how all the girls have giant bags with their names on them, which I like think is adorable. Like embroidered on them. Yeah, yes. so Cindy's cute. is almost like in marker, mm-hmm. it looks like. Yeah. But so she's like, Jan, go down and see if we left anything by the water. And of course, Jan's like, okay, all right. And she goes <laughs> running down. And as luck would have it, here is um, the t- the good luck tiki god has washed Doo-doo. up. She grabs it. She throws it in her giant embroidered Jan bag. And off they go. So we cut to the next day. And the girls and Carol and Alice... They're going to go on a picnic, and um, the boys say, we don't want to go to the picnic. We want to go to the beach and check out those girls and the hot bodies, whatever. And oh that's when God. Mike kind of chuckles, and he's like, ha, ha, ha. And Mike, do you guys notice Mike's always going like this and like tucking in his his polyester shirt into his yep. um, uh-huh. his his polyester pants with his white belt? And man, oh, Mike wore some colorfully patterned oh, shirts on this trip. It is the biggest houndstooth pattern I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. The Patriotic houndstooth pattern. It's red, white, and blue houndstooth. <laughs> and the houndstooth is probably pants. six inches. Six inches like this. Yes. And they're belts. Huge. All the boys' belts. Oh, it's not such like the belts. Belt. They're like... Double width, yeah. a, a patent leather a lot of the time. And he's doing yes. this all the time. He's going, well, well. <laughs> Gotta tuck in my houndstooth. He's, <laughs> he's tucking in, but when Greg comes in and he's like, oh boy, dad, we just want to go to the beach, you know, all those girls in the bikinis or something like that. And then he says something to Carol about, ah, oh, this is when I wish this wasn't a working trip for me or something. And she's like, oh, it's like swats him with something oh, like, oh my, oh, silly. So the boys go, before we get to the picnic and what happens um, and what ends up in Jan's bag, let's just quickly say the boys are at the beach. I don't know where Peter and Bobby are, probably playing in the waves. It doesn't matter because Greg is just checking out the girls in the bikinis and they <laughs> really make it cringy. They mm-hmm. make these teenage actresses walk by him slowly one at a time and Headless. they have his eyes. Yeah. yeah just their bikini bodies. And yeah. he, and with every one, it's almost like his eyes are doing that buggy out thing, like, you know, cartoon. Rear, 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 rear. And he, I feel like he's even making like, hmm. Ooh. Yeah. And the music, I think, is like, do, 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 well, then he, then um, this um, bathing beauty with two little blonde ponytails, she has a purple bikini on and she comes and shakes out her towel and he immediately goes over, introduces himself, lies to her, tell her he, tells her he's an Islander. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and immediately- yeah, let me just say, he says, are you from the saying? mainland? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, or if she's from the mainland. Like thought, it's 1940. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and then he says he's an <laughs> Islander <laughs> and um, starts rubbing suntan lotion on her just without- 
introducing himself. Well, he she says she him. better. It's, the sun's really strong here because, you know, mm-hmm. I'm from Hawaii and you're a mainlander. The sun That's is right. super strong. You got to have a lot of suntan lotion. Here, let me help you with your suntan lotion. And you're just like, no, 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 Greg, Greg, well, we called it suntan we lotion. have to say, suntan though, lotion. suntan yeah. lotion. And I know we call it sunscreen now, sunscreen. right? Sunscreen. Yeah. And she is agreeable. She's agreeable. She She's lets like, this oh, man. Thanks. She doesn't know. Oh. Yeah. Well, my favorite part is when Peter and Bobby come over and they are oh my in God, her it's face. So funny. Asking questions like, why? Why are you putting sun lotion on her and everything? And then they start putting suntan lotion They're like, on oh, we'd better help. And they're like, it's it's so, as as inappropriate as, as it is, it's so funny because they pick up her body parts like they're disembodied <laughs> from her. Her arm. And Bobby just picks up her arm and starts rubbing it. And then yeah. it, it's just hilarious. It's hilarious. It's just through our lens today. It's so inappropriate and cringy. And once again, Mm -hmm. I will say that in the Real Brady Bros um, podcast, Barry Williams and Christopher Knight completely agree. This is horrible. This is cringy. This is embarrassing that they even did it. And then she thanks them for their island hospitality. Yes. Like rubbing all that honor. Three boys are rubbing her body. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if anybody came up to you, a stranger on the beach, and asked to put suntan lotion on your body? You'd be like, first of all, get the fuck out. Well, okay. First of all, can you guys imagine if it was an eight, like if you're, say, you're 18, it's an 18 year old boy, that still is crossing a, a big line. But what if it's like an 11 year old boy? That's, yes. oh. Right. <laughs> and that's the same boy that, that was grossed out when he got kissed getting his um, yeah. lay when he got mm-hmm. off of the airplane. So, hmm. well, I will say though, well, when he's doing, what they're doing the suntan lotion, it's just very, it's just very it's yeah, robotic. Right. It's, it's yeah. just very it's like, clinical. It's clinical. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing that happens is the girls are going on another travelogue portion of the show, which is to some sort of wild animal park or something like that and they're looking at, at, at some oh well, kind first of they're bird. at the beach because that's where the tarantula first they're having a picnic at the beach before they go oh, there oh, oh. and that's this when the tarantula where, okay. crawls into the bag yeah so they're at Jan's so bag first, is open a little tarantula crawls in she picks up their bag when it's time to go on the boring travelogue portion of the episode where they go look at birds and she has to, oh, she wants to take a picture of the bird. And so oh, she keeps reach reaching out. into her bag oh, oh, to get her oh, camera, oh. and the camera closes in on her hand just inches away from a tarantula. Oh, and then I take a picture, and then, oh, does anybody have a tissue? I need a oh. tissue. Oh, I have a tissue, Jan says, reaches her hand in her bag, inches away from the tarantula, grabs the tissue. So Jan's walking around all day oh, God. with a tarantula in her bag. In her bag. Oh, you guys, right. even but watching look- it the other day, I had to watch it like this. With yeah. my hand over half of the screen. I can't I stand remember, to look at that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I remember being really scared when they would put their hand in there, like <gasps> thinking, oh, yes. my gosh, it's going to crawl up their hand. And oh. I also have to say, I probably remember chuckling a little bit when um, Jan took the picture. Because if you remember, <laughs> the name of the bird was the red-footed booby. <laughs> and they kept and saying booby. <laughs> I, I'm sure I thought that that was the most hilarious thing ever. Even Carol Brady says booby. Yeah. Well, but when they <laughs> say it, when I was watching it the other day and I was like, I think I was like looking down, taking notes and they say it. And I think I probably audibly went <laughs> and I look up and Marsh is just looking serious. And I look up to watch that they're going to like all like elbow each other. Right. Oh no. They're just nope. looking like, thank you for that very wise, you know, description. And thank you, Alice. So now they're back at the hotel. 
right? So the the spider crawls out of the bag and I think they're like, somehow it ends up from the girl's room to the boy's room and they're joking like it had to go out the yeah. door, take a left, get in the elevator, go down yeah, five floors, down scene. the hallway. That toward was a- like, I honestly think that that spider had more screen time than Alice <laughs> or anything. That was a whole thing with its, all, its own soundtrack of that spider going wherever it was going. <laughs> it was probably like 10 seconds long. It's terrifying. Go back it's terrifying. I couldn't watch it. was its it. own star. Well, the spider had a spider wrangler on set and the way that it would get it to move is spiders don't like air. The spider wrangler would blow through a straw at the spider to get it to move in the opposite direction. So when, when they go to bed that night, Peter's bed has been built up on a platform so that the spider wrangler can be underneath it and oh, be oh, blowing nice. into the straw. Now, Christopher Knight um, says he was absolutely terrified. He said this was scary as hell is how he, is how is he describes this. This is too much to ask of a child. He says, but he knew how much cred he would get with the girls So he says he was all in and he said, actually, it was very empowering knowing I'm going to have cred with the girls. They're going to think how brave I was. And so that's what helped him get through it. But you guys, you have to understand, they say, what might have been five seconds on screen in the episode of that spider crawling up Peter's chest was take after take after take after take because the spider didn't always go exactly where they wanted it to go. And if it veered off to one side, that wrangler was under the bed and had to go down and around to the other side and blow with the straw to get it to move the other way. So um, let's back up just a minute though, because right before Peter goes to sleep, the boys are having a talk about the idol and Bobby says, I don't think I want it anymore. Um, I think it's maybe it's bad luck. And Peter's like, I'll take it. Christopher Knight says this is his favorite line of the entire series. He signs autographs like this. He lays in bed and he goes, bad luck, come and get me. (laughs) (laughs) Peter's fear, I don't think that was acting. If it's acting, he did a really good job because the the sound that comes out of his mouth is not even really words. He's like, all he says, he says, get it off me, get it get off, off me, get, get it off, off me. And he says, that was actually him. That was his normal, you can his fear. Feel it. He yes. says it like four times. So Mike Brady comes in, saves the day. They catch the spider and put it into a little, a little gift bag that they have. This is so funny. It's just something that I thought was interesting. Mike's like, get me a bag, get me a bag. And so Greg reaches for a bag and then he dumps it out. And then he gives it to Mike. And I was like, is it chips? What is he dumping out? <laughs> like, oh. it, if it was a prop, you'd think they would just have a bag there and he would just hand it to him. What was in there? Why didn't they have it empty and ready for him to hand to Mike Brady? Because well, it didn't look like he was. an empty bag sitting. I mean, so maybe it was like he method acting? Have some, <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> it because did look remember, real. It did remember, he is like, yeah, who was he in the scene with? He is in the scene with Robert Reed. And <gasps> oh, Robert Reed likes oh, things to mm-hmm. be accurate it was method you know there are no poisonous spiders in hawaii that he tells greg they don't have to worry about it because he probably wanted it to be as well very accurate and factual well yeah except for what's funny is barry Barry and chris go 
he, why does Bob tell us, why does they call him dad? Why does dad tell us there's no poisonous spiders? There are poisonous spiders all there over are, Hawaii. There are poisonous spiders everywhere. And the one that they're using is poisonous. And yeah. so you have to wonder what that line is for. It has to be there for a reason. I and think so, so Liz too. Prado thinks this is part of the travelogue, that they were afraid that the, the, the <gasps> visitors bureau who was involved in the making of the show would have been like, no, 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 no. People will be afraid to come to Hawaii if they think there are tarantulas here oh, and they're going to get killed by a tarantula. So they're like, okay, insert this line. No, no, no. Don't worry, boys. This You're is a right. harmless little creature. Well, I'm surprised he would say it then. I'm surprised they got Robert Reed to say it if it wasn't yeah. true. But isn't it true, or is this an urban whatever that I've stuck in my mind, that either there are no snakes in there's Hawaii no snakes. or there are no, no snakes. Okay. No yeah. snakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but there's definitely yeah. poisonous spiders. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me very sad. I didn't think there were. I think I thought that's why Robert Reed said that. He wanted to make mm. sure everyone knew. But that's a lie. It is a lie. And, they, I don't like and did that. they have to take like is that a native Hawaiian spider or did they did they take that spider with them from California? Did that spider fly question. on the plane? Is does that spider have his SAG card in Hawaii yes. or in LA? I bet I mean this well, professional spider wrangler probably goes on sets that need spiders. I think he's uh-huh. out of Hollywood. But they do a nice thing and they don't smash the spider. Correct. They're gonna yeah. save the spider mm-hmm. and Mike's gonna go put it outside and release it. So he puts it in the bag. And he says, I got to put this in a bag because we don't want your mother to see this because she gets scared at a ladybug. And he walks next door and he's got it in a bag. It's a little gifty bag. Little gift bag. And Mm -hmm. Carol earlier has said, oh, Mike, have you seen the cool like jade and coral jewelry down in the gift store? I'm just saying, like just a little hint. So she thinks that's what's in the bag. Mm -hmm. And she keeps saying things like, oh, is that for me? And he's like, oh, definitely not for you. And she's like, you're going to put it under my pillow, which was a really good line. (laughs) That was a really good line, right? We're like, very clever. (laughs) That was very clever. But you guys, I have all sorts of problems with Carol's reaction when she grabs the bag from Mike and she peeks in. Yes. If she gets scared at a ladybug, she Florence Henderson really, really just she cheated herself out of a really good, funny acting moment. She could have thrown the bag, she could have fainted, and she just goes, ugh. That's it. (laughs) That's all. And if she gets scared at a ladybug, this is not realistic. Because even I, and I'm not afraid of spiders, but if I opened a gift bag and saw a tarantula, I'm gonna scream. A spider makes you scream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to scream and I'm going to throw it. You're not just going to go, ugh. She gave up the most priceless reaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could have been Mm -hmm. hilarious. And um, maybe they wouldn't have wanted her to throw the bag because then we would have all been worried. You know, they've taken taken great pains to tell us that they're going to treat the spider humanely. So, but even just fainting, even like Mike grabs the bag and she just dead faints or something. She just literally goes and walks away. So um, that's it with the spider. The spider's done. It's like, um, all right, let's call call scene on spider. Yeah. Thank you for your time, spider. Now that we've traumatized you all, yeah. little children. So the boys are done with the idol. They're like, this is, you guys, we can't, this idol's bad luck. We got to get oh, yeah. rid of the idol. So what do they do? They have to find out how to get rid of it. So they go talk to old Mr. Hanalei. And so old Mr. Hanalei is actually a native Hawaiian. You can tell he's a native Hawaiian and not just an Italian man like Iron Eyes Cody, who is the guy from the littering commercial who's not truly a Native American. Ugh, don't bring that up. I know. Again. I just he's Italian. Italian. He's Italian. Okay, so they have an actual native Hawaiian man, but they write his dialogue like a caveman. He's I like, I just say something? taboo Wait. very strong. Bring evil to all who touch. 
It's so disrespectful and bad. It's, it's so horrible. It's such cultural like appropriate. And I know he's yeah. real Hawaiian, but it was wrong to me. It just but felt he, crazy. He had to be directed to say it that way because there were times when his actual speech pattern sneaks in a little bit where he sounds like <laughs> But they want him to sound like he doesn't know English. He, the man knows English. He can speak English. They're like, act like you barely know English, okay? Like, oh, be, do not touch. Evil, evil <laughs> thing. Do not touch. It was Boys really disappear. Really yes. It was awful. <laughs> Old Mr. Hanalei tells them they have to take the idol and put it on the tomb of the first king, which is King Kamehameha I. So they're like, all right, let's go. And they're going to take a bus. And they tell the girls, we're going to get rid of the idol. Don't tell mom and dad. you got to promise. We're swearing you to secrecy. So they get on this bus. And the bus deposits them in the middle mm-hmm. of the jungle. And Bobby gets out with a with a thing of popcorn. I'm like, what did you do? Did you read the movies? Why right. all have... the way to the top, mind you. Yes, it's filled not like to the he's, top. Yeah. Like were they suddenly on, the, on the bus? The bus drops them, literally stops in the middle of the road near yes. a sign that says like curvy Slow road ahead. To curve. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. To curve. Like stops on the road and yes. drops them off on the side of the road in a jungle, just like no big deal, these three boys. Okay, so where where we are now in the middle of the jungle is actually the set of Gilligan's Island. So we're no longer in Hawaii. They're filming these scenes in the lagoon that is Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the lagoon will lead them to a cave, which is Gilligan's Cave. This is where all of these things are are um, filmed. So they're like, "All right, here we are at the ancient burial site," and they're in the and they're walking and they're walking. And they're like, "Where the where the hell are we? How are we going to find our way back?" Well, luckily, Bobby has this very full thing of popcorn, so and full. Greg's like. Let's let's leave a trail of crumbs like Hansel and Gretel. Luckily, Peter has, or who are you? Bobby has popcorn. So then they start walking through the jungle and dropping popcorn. And thank God the Brady Bros brought this up because I'm like, animals will eat the popcorn. What yeah. the heck? This, you can't do that. There's no trail. It's got to be like little stones or something, not food. <laughs> Don't leave uh, it's food. so funny. Yes, but thankfully, yes, Brady Bros. When we say Brady yes. Bros listeners, we mean Barry and Christopher, current day, um, also yes. are just dying over this. Like, well, thank yes. God Bobby's got his popcorn. <laughs> and let's not forget yes. that Bobby um, has another scene in another episode where popcorn plays a part when they're um, at oh. King's Island, right? When they're in Cincinnati. And mom tells him, don't spoil your you know, your lunch, don't have any snacks. And he and Cindy have like their free, free for all at the park and they go on the roller coasters and everything. And he's always has this he's thing of popcorn, popcorn and he's oh eating it and he defends it because he's not hungry at lunch. And then it was all about getting to the prize at the bottom of this box of popcorn. But he, that's oh, another I don't episode that. where okay. popcorn played a role. I'm glad you bring that up because there will be a moment in a minute yeah. where I was like, <laughs> what? And you Same. just kind of solved it for me. Yeah, you totally. know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly about. what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Okay. Okay, so eventually um, the boys have not gotten home. They're wandering around the jungle, and Mike and Carol are noticing that it's nighttime and the boys are not home. However, Carol's a little concerned. Mike, not so much. Not like, at all. This is the most Gen X thing ever. I mean, essentially, Hawaii has only been a state for about 13 years at this point. For all they know, this is a foreign country. Like, their sons are missing in a foreign country. And he's like, oh, you know, they just get carried away. Hey, and then he's laughing as he's doing his, his thumb tuck. Oh, and, no, and he's going, and his well, tooth. you know what? Yeah. It's going to be dinner time soon. Oh, that'll bring the boys home. 
Yeah. The girls, though, are stewing. The girls are in there. They're stewing. They're like, God, should we tell? Mom, in their bathrobes. In their quilted bathrobes. And their long nightgowns and their quilted bathrobes buttoned at mm-hmm. the top. And they're like, Mom, Mom and Dad seem really worried. Should we tell? And they're, we promised. I think we should we wait promised. a little longer. <laughs> I promised. But they do finally yeah. end up, they eventually spill the beans. So then we see a scene where they're eventually spilling the beans. So let's say, how much time do you think did they wait a little longer? An hour? Probably at least an hour, yeah. wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least an hour. So now Carol's really worried. When they say they, well, they went to an ancient burial ground to return the tiki, <laughs> literally Mike and Carol and Alice stand there almost with their hands on their hips just going, girls. Why didn't you tell us that before? You You should have told us that before. I would have as a parent. My kids are now probably four hours past nighttime. I find out they went to a freaking ancient burial ground. I am flying out the door as fast as I can to get down. This is full on Amber Alert, right? Like this is full on Amber Alert. Yeah. So I'm going down to the hotel desk to get the call, the police, do whatever. Police are involved. Yeah. They sit there and they do the sigh, girls. Like. Why weren't you straightforward with us from the beginning? We asked you. Like, there, there might be some consequences for this. <laughs> I don't need know. a little lecture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dudes, your sons are fr- in a freaking cave right now. And, and then they had to give the moral um, lesson of that, which what? Because they said, well, we promised to, to keep it a secret. And they were like, well, you can't <gasps> keep secrets if people are in are danger. danger. It's a moral yeah. dilemma. Yes. It's a moral dilemma. What do you do? <laughs> Let's go. So yeah. now they're going on like a um, basically a missing persons expedition in the jungle, and Carol's got her little polyester wrap dress on. Wait, wait, and- wait, wait, wait! They're in the giant. It looks exactly like the Brady Station wagon. Yep. Mm-hmm. You see them come careening around the corner, the <laughs> same road, same and road. he stops the car yeah, on, in, the in the middle of the road, of the road at the place. exact same street sign yes. that says like right. dangerous curves ahead. <laughs> Literally turns off the ignition. They get and out of the car, <laughs> leave the car in the middle of the road. Yeah, the car is just in the middle of the road. They, they have their flashlights. She's got her wrap dress on. And I was like, what shoes is she wearing? Because she's going into Gilligan's jungle right now. And I, I, so I'm really focused on her feet. And I was able to see that she's wearing like little early 1970s pumps, like the kind that have the, the, oh. the fat heel. I'm like, really? You didn't want to put on your tennies or your keds or anything? No, but I have to say her ensemble during that late night jungle hike, pitch black jungle hike, yes. was <laughs> Fabulous. So fabulous. I would I would pay big bucks for that outfit. So the boys now have found their way into a cave. And interestingly enough, there are torches lit inside the cave, which to me, that would mean turn around and go. Because there are First people thing. here. <laughs> yeah. I'm First leaving. thing I know would have noticed. Yeah. Who no. the F lit these torches? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, see, I'm thinking there's an there's an adult person around that I can ask, where can I <laughs> bury my tiki? <laughs> Thing. Do you know I'm why you get rid there's, of this taboo tiki, please? Yeah, that there's another human around. So the way episode two ends is they go in the cave, okay. and you see just the back of a man come out <gasps> of the jungle and see them going in the cave. It is freaking terrifying, you guys. Let's not forget that in 1972, now I would have been three, I wasn't watching this live, but I watched this a million times in reruns. So let's say the first time I saw it was in 1975. Kidnapping was a really big fear of ours as uh-huh. children in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is terrifying to me. Even watching it back as a 54-year-old woman, all that's about to transpire, and, and the Brady bros, 
talk a lot about how how great Vincent Price was and how wonderful he was to work with because listeners, this mystery man is going is played by Vincent Price. That it's done very um, non-threatening. Would you guys agree with that? This whole scary sequence that's about to come up is done Isn't very non-threatening. non-threatening. No, I don't scary agree. As hell. Yeah, I was very scared. It's terrifying. Um, anytime yes. ropes are involved or a big yes. spear. Yes. That someone's yeah. pointing at me. And Vincent Price is not in happy-go-lucky movies and stuff. He's in horror movies, like yeah. that actor. Right. Well, and I don't even think we need to spend time, because um, I think our listeners know this episode. So instead of like talking about the chain of events, because you're right, Kristen, mm-hmm. it gets kind of murky. They're, yeah. they're, they're trying to escape. They're not. He's cornering them. He's a, in a big costume trying to oh, scare that them. Costume at one point. Oh, that costume is scary. And then they try to run, and then he knows there's no escape back there. So he gets the spear, and he's yelling, ha, 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 I've got you cornered now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely bone chilling, frightening yes. to a child in the seventies watching that. Um, yes. I don't care if they said that they said we tried to play it like we weren't so scared, so it wouldn't be so scary. It was terrifying. It doesn't matter. It was terrifying, and I must tell you that I, this is what I have wondered again for my whole Brady life. What happens? What ends up happening is that Vincent Price ties them all up. They're oh, all God. tied up, mm-hmm. and I even as a kid I was like, but there are three of you. And just one of him, like when he was tying up one, two of you could have run to go get help. Or at least they could have, two of you could have like jumped on him and pulled him off. How do three of you get tied up? And also there's no tying up on TV anymore. Have you noticed that? Well, first of all, Kristen, let's, again, are you like a 45 year old woman when you're watching these shows when you're a kid? Yes. I would have been scared out of my I would have done whatever the guy said. If he told me to sit there and freeze, I mean, he had, I would have done what I wouldn't have run out of the cave that I couldn't even get out of to begin with because that's how I ended up where I, I would have done whatever he said. Also in the 70s, anytime I see rope and tying up, it brings back the uh. horror of Benji. Like, remember oh, when those God. kids were kidnapped oh, and they were tied me. and then they have the, the gag in their mouth oh, and then they're tied around their wrists. Terrifying movie. We we st- we need to do an episode that on Benji one day. But is horrible. Um, but episode three of this trilogy starts very frightening with the spear and the tying. Yes. But then when the beans come in, we sort oh, of yeah. get some comic relief. <laughs> so I feel like it's when the beans, the beans scene comes in, we can all kind of go, oh, ha ha, this is funny. Well, so he's eating his beans, his dinner, and then Greg needs to buy time because he says he knows by now the girls would have broken their promise. The girls would have told mom and dad, and mom and dad are either on their way to find them or they've sent someone. So they need to buy time. So Greg tells him his, at one point he says he's eating, um, listeners, he's eating a, a 10 plate of baked beans. Vincent Price is. So random. And he's like, too bad you guys weren't nicer. You could have had some beans. And then, and I also think beans play a part in Benji, if I'm not mistaken, because oh, Benji goes and eats the beans out of a little cup, I think too. And the little kids don't get any beans. But um, he's eating beans. And then he says, now I have to go reheat my beans. And then, then later, and then so when he's over there, Greg's like saying, okay, guys, we need to buy time. So when Vincent Price comes back and he's talking to them again, he says, hey, your beans are burning. Oh, no. And he goes to check his beans. And that's when they come up with this other plan. And I think primarily, let me just um, tell you my thoughts on the beans. One is, isn't that what you always eat when you're like not at home and you're out (laughs) in the wilderness? It's like beans. When you're camping. You can't have the line of, you know, I need you all to spill the beans. Like he needed them them to tell him where the stuff was. So I think that was another reason beans were in there. Well, beans play a prominent part in the Brady – 
Grand Canyon episode too, because they put them in the flashlight. Cindy and Bobby put them oh, in the that's flashlight right. to <laughs> feed to their little new um, their dogs little friend. Too, yeah. Are beans the most seventies food ever? Beans, yeah. Okay, so Mike and Carol they find the popcorn in the forest, and th- I'm so glad you said the thing about Bobby eating popcorn at Kings Island because Carol says. <gasps> It must be Bobby's popcorn. Bobby always eats popcorn. And I was like, really, Carol? That's is what that I thought too. Is that oh, very convenient? Goodness. That's so convenient. So they follow the popcorn. They follow it into the cave. And they stumble upon, dun, 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 their children tied up with a kidnapper. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> and they're not like. And a sword. They and a don't sword. react yeah. appropriately, no, in my opinion. <laughs> When they see him. No. Remember, they should have no. got, there should be an Amber Alert. And now they run into their children's kidnapper. And I don't know, a, a mur- possible murderer? Who oh. knows? And they're like, you guys, hey now. Where have you been? Hey, you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they just forgive, they just forgive Whitehead. I forgot his first name, but Professor, professor Whitehead, Whitehead have, is the we name learned by man. now is a professor of archaeology. And he wants to be remembered for something. And he's never going to be remembered for anything. Mm-hmm. And Mike is just like, you know what? I can help you with that. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, you should be, you should have the sword on him right now, making him march out in front of you (laughs) to the police station where he is put away forever for tying up your sons. Nope, nope, nope. You know what? It makes no What if we all (laughs) say that, what if we vouch for you, basically? Oh my God. We'll do that, buddy. We'll do that for you, buddy. Yeah. So they do. I mean, if you think about it, how is, so they tied up. He tied up their children. He's got. He's holding them. He's threatening them. How is this different from Silence of the Lambs? Oh, I mean, it's oh the gosh. same thing. Beans. As far as they're concerned, beans. Oh, beans. Holy shit! Oh my god, the beans. It's the same thing. And they've. That's as far as they know. When they come upon this scene, that's what this is. And they're like, "Well, you know what? We can help you out with your yeah. archaeology, yeah, buddy." And then they invite him to their luau. And then come to the well, luau with us. And then, um, you know, all, all is forgiven, and we go to a right. luau. <laughs> yes, it it's is. like there was a commercial break. Yep. You can just envision yes. that. Like, you know, they le- they're leaving the cave, and then we go to some commercials that with jingles we all know, and then we come back, yep. and we're at a luau. Oh, Nothing and at the luau, so he's sitting yep. there on the ground with all the Brady kids, including the kids that he kidnapped, and they, he gets a special award. They're going to name the wing of the museum yep. after, after him. him. Yeah. The Bradys are heroes, too. They get some special, like, um, I don't know, proclamation, or I guess they're given a Hawaiian name of, like, special friend to Hawaii. It means friend, yeah. It okay. means yes. friend. And as a, as a special ceremonial ritual, all the kids get to blow on this special conch shell. And so the camera close does a close-up on each child as they blow the conch. And, of course, this is done to comedic effect, right? Like Bobby crosses his eyes right. and Marsha can't do it. And, you know, everybody does something funny. But there are nine people. So it, nine people had mm-hmm. to blow on the conch. It took forever. <laughs> That sounds funny. (laughs) (laughs) Booby. I loved all that information that we shared and our feelings, but I've got some additional information. Oh, yes, I I love it. um, Went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Oh, let's all jump down Carolyn's rabbit hole. Yeah. Because then then you got to play the music. Let's blow my con. Yeah. Let's blow the con and go down Carolyn's rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Okay. Makes me Um, laugh. Yes. So. 
I discovered a website that plots all of the points that the Bradys visit on Google Maps, and they detail <gasps> oh each thing that, that every place oh they gosh. visited, give you a little factoids about them. The red-footed booby bird that was at Sea Life Park, they tell oh, you the exact camera, um, route they took. So if you, any of our listeners, want to know that exact itinerary you want to follow it, you can, and we'll pass along that website. Okay, we talked in the beginning of the episode about how popular this um, Hawaii trilogy of episodes might be um, for different people. IMBD actually ranks the Hawaii-bound episodes as the third most popular of all the Brady Bunch episodes. Third? I'm guessing this is based on ratings, maybe? Yeah. The second most popular episode was The Subject Was Noses. Yes, that episode. Yeah. Marsha. Marsha. My nose. And her nose. And the number one episode... Davy Jones. No. No? Not according to IMBD. What? I should be honest. I don't know how IMBD got these, but the number one episode, according to them, was Her Sister's Shadow, where we get Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Oh. Okay, that's very interesting, because that is iconic also, but I cannot remember anything about the episode. Well, I couldn't either... It's it's the one where um, she writes the essay and um, she's going to get the award for the essay that she wrote, but they actually miscalculated and she didn't win. And, but then they also list the worst episodes, and this is according to IMBD again, um, and the number one worst episode, according to them, was an episode tit- entitled Kelly's Kids, which was the oh, one yeah. where the Brady's neighbors are the Kellys and they adopt the oh, three boys yes. from the orphanage. Yes, and yes. I think we talked about the fact that that mm-hmm. was supposed to be a um, a backdoor pilot to a show that never ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned two others being um, Cousin Oliver and the two Pete's in a pod, which is one I really like when Peter meets his like doppelganger in the oh, hallway like or at school, which is also weird. How do you go like to school and not know this guy looks exactly like you. Um, anyway, I thought that was fun. Then I found a discussion forum on the internet totally devoted to this the, these episodes, not even just like the Brady Bunch in general. It was the Hawaii episodes. And people get into all kinds of discussions, much about like the things we were talking about today. Um, and, you know, how could this have happened? How could that have happened? But one that got kind of deep within this forum, a chat, was all about the hotel doctor. We kind of brushed over that in the beginning of the episode, but people had feelings about the hotel doctor in this. They remember remember how important the hotel doctor was, that the demise of the hotel doctor was because of the rise of urgent care centers. Damn that. one, (laughs) One person, I mean, they're just talking about how important they were, and there's one line that just somebody commented, respect for the hotel doctor. In that same forum, people pointed out the topic we just talked about before about Bobby's love of popcorn and um, how it pops up in many episodes. <laughs> oh, Not just the King's place. Island yeah. episode, but if you guys think about it, they eat popcorn in a lot of Brady Bunch episodes. There's popcorn in a lot of episodes, whether they're watching TV in their little study. And interestingly enough, in the summer of 1974, Ladies Home Journal ran a piece titled What's popping with the Bradys? Featuring the females from the show, along with nine popcorn-themed recipes that they presented, like popcorn-stuffed chicken, popcorn salad, and the classic shoe fly pie in a popcorn crust. 
I don't we, see popcorn playing a role in any of those things. No. <laughs> well, they are ingredients in these th- recipes, and we are going to share a link to that article yes, and those please. recipes if That's- you care to make any of these popcorn-related it- items. A um, couple last th- little things. Mm-hmm. An episode of the TV show Scrubs actually features Barry Williams as himself selling the tiki, which oh the character <laughs> J.D. buys. And then um, he and J.D. and Turk end up wearing them during that episode. And they so. are solid Gen Xers. Isn't that interesting? So the Amber Alert notwithstanding, I think it's safe to say that Hawaii Bound is the most memorable episode of the Brady Bunch for we members of the Brady Bunch generation. And it wasn't just entertainment. It was actually influential. In fact, this book that I talked about before by Liz Prado opens her first essay about the Brady Bunch with this quote. She says, ask a member of Gen X where they got their original ideas about Hawaii and they'll inevitably mention the Brady Bunch. Totally. Totally. How did we know about Hawaii? All I know about Hawaii, I learned from the Brady Bunch. That's right. (laughs) That would be a cute little, that would be a cute little um, gift book. Um, Listeners, trademarked PCPS, don't do it. That's right. Yes. This was our film strip about the 50th state, which had been added to the U.S., like I said, only 13 years before this episode. Is it the story we'd be told today about Hawaiian culture? Of course not. But did it make us want to go to Hawaii? Yes, it did. (laughs) Don't let anyone tell you that the Brady Bunch wasn't educational. Thanks for listening today, and we will see you next time. Yes, you guys, thanks so much for strolling down memory lane with us. We are going to be following up on some of the fun things we talked about today in this week's Weekly Reader, like you might find links to the Etsy taboo tiki's you might find some links to some delicious popcorn recipes and if i can find the answer to why we didn't can't find episode one anywhere please we can include oh, that in the know. weekly reader and liz prado's book volcanoes palm trees and privilege will also be in our weekly reader if you are not already subscribed you can do that by signing up on our website at poppreservationists.com or at our link in bio on instagram And while we certainly thank everyone for listening and for sharing and for rating, reviewing, following, I don't know, giving us your firstborn, your car, (laughs) (laughs) it's what I feel like sometimes. Um, We are literally indebted to our supporters on Patreon, who are the gas in our tank, the electricity in our Tesla, the running feet in our Flintstones car. I know I've said that before, but it's so funny. They've taken their support for this podcast to the next level, and it's honestly what is keeping it and us going. Today, we're giving a special thank you to patrons Robin, Julie, Cheryl, MP, Mark, Erica, Kathleen, Jill, and Linda. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. Aloha. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanny, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Something always happens whenever we're together. We get a happy.